Welcome back, boys and girls, to another episode of Kayfabe Comparisons. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer, and I am joined, as always, by the KG Cast Lush. Cast, how you doing, yep, bro? Yep. I'm good. I got a bug light cracked open. I'm ready to go. Ready to talk some old school wrestling, new generation era, era my favorite era, and which uh, never was a big fan of, but I love it. I love the hardcore action. Let's get into it. Yeah, man. I'm super pumped. Today's episode is a double nostalgia show. Uh, It's a little bonus episode for you guys. We're covering uh, WWF In Your House Mind Games 1996 versus ECW's Heat Wave 1998. Uh, And last week, uh, we had a great show. We compared a WWE current product for the first time, and we had a great response. Uh, The downloads have been crazy so keep it going keep it going um man hey, what do you think about last week's show yeah well i was gonna say man i will say this nostalgia show you know we do these bonus shows but coming up you know the next couple months these these nostalgia shows are probably gonna be more few and far between yeah, because yeah, yeah. we got uh a wednesday night wars content. coming up yeah, we yeah, got uh, aew yeah. and nxt coming up every week we're probably yeah. going to start covering that we got absolutely pay-per-views really. there's going to be more pay-per-views than ever coming with all these new brands and uh yeah. wrestling promotions so yeah, takeovers you know, are going to be pretty regular oh, yeah. i bet like so enjoy these uh nostalgia shows while you can because we're going to be booked up when this uh, up, new, uh brand comes around so anyway yeah, save uh, the, save last the show. Shows, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah but we'll keep doing them. I'm not saying yeah. that. I'm just saying these. Uh, we're gonna be booked up with current stuff. But I love doing these type of shows. Um, you know, the the older stuff versus the older stuff. Uh, kind of, I like doing that more than than the, you know, the current stuff. Honestly, because it gives us excuses to watch the WWE Network. Nine ninety nine a month. You should go get it. Uh, I wasn't totally. paid to say that, but it really not is yet. awesome. Not yet. Not, not yet. yet. Yeah, Daddy. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway, last show was uh, awesome. I think that was one of our best shows. If you haven't listened to it yet, yet go listen to it because it was freaking awesome. You'll see why Daniel gets his new nickname, Mr. Yeah, no. Brand new. Brand new. And you'll see why my name is always KG Cash because I said I don't even know how to say my name right. <laughs> I said, KG Cash. <laughs> I don't even know my name. I, I people call me Cash every day of my life, and I get so mad, and I just said it because it's a tongue twister. Anyway, uh, I'm gonna shut up. Let's get into this, man. Let's go. All right, yeah, yeah. So let's go ahead and jump right into the oldest show here is WWF in your house mind games 1996 and the opening match on this card but let's just hit the uh, that package it was very super like new generation obviously wwf is just on top of their game but this is kind of like a lull uh for their business uh but the uh, production value was great right off the bat of course that's kind of what they built their entire brand on is their production value uh the commentary booth was mcmahon mr perfect and jim ross and that's pretty solid three-man booth if, if i do say so myself but yeah, the opening match here was Justin Hawk Bradshaw versus Savio Vega in a Caribbean strap match. KG Cass, what do you think about this one? Yeah, man. So I, I love the opening. Uh, I got to say, um, if you've been following, I've said it before. This is not a lot of people's uh, favorite time in wrestling, the new generation era. This is my favorite time. This is, you know, right up my alley on my age, on everything. This is when I was into wrestling. You know, I agree with most of the criticism of, 
you know, the the uh, occupation wrestlers, you know, you had a repo man, all, you know, and, and yeah. I didn't like that. I could see why you wouldn't like that. And some of it was really cheesy. But, man, if you watch this, they were selling out house shows. They were tearing down the house. They were doing a lot of stuff right at this time, even though they started losing to WCW. WWF at this time never really went that bad. They just lost a couple superstars and had a had to. They took them a little bit of time to create new top stars like The Rock and Stone Cold. But this is in the era. This is you know 96. Stone Cold's coming. This is just a great era. I'm not gonna go on about it. This is. I, I just gotta say I'm a little biased because this is my era. Um, like you said that commentary booth right away. I was like, oh man, Vince, Jr. Perfect. This is gonna be good. And I love. The old school opening package, opening the opening package for every show. I always talk about. You'll notice because I just one of my favorite parts. I I love to critique it and see how people do it. Whether it's a WCW show because I didn't grow up watching that. I like to see how they did it and they never really did a good job. But WWF WWE always did, and I think it's Todd Pettengill's voice. I couldn't I couldn't really tell, but I think it's Todd Pettengill doing a voiceover, and I love that yeah. was like that was the new generation era's like thing they would do these voiceover packages that explained all the stories and i really love that because even if you don't remember or know what's going on you get old todd pettengill over there with his mullet and everything telling you what's going on and it was great like you said first match justin hawk bradshaw bradshaw which obviously became jbl um He had a couple different variations of his carrier, uh, uh, character after this. You know, he went to the APA, a couple different things that he tried after this. He kind of floundered around, and this is one of those times. So if you didn't know JBL had wasn't always JBL, you can watch this show and see him as Justin Hawk Bradshaw. And then he's going against Savio Vega, which most people will agree that he's probably one of the most underrated, you know, workhorse top guys that doesn't get talked about um he's just a a great athlete and a great professional wrestler he knows all the tricks and uh he's just he's just fantastic um it was a caribbean strap match where you had to you're both you know tied together with a strap and you have to knock down your opponent you have to hit four corners before the other uh, opponent knocks you down um and uh, as you hear this this baby in the background is disagreeing with me but I'm telling you, I, I am right. That's what a Caribbean strap match is. So yeah. <laughs> no, but anyway, that's that's the rules for this match. It's a great match. WWF really didn't do these type of gimmick matches that often, ever. Really, it's not really been, you know. I mean, I guess they do gimmick matches, but these four corner matches um, is more of a southern wrestling thing. Yeah, it and, is. And yeah. I like I like to see it here. You know, it's really good and it makes sense with Justin Hawk. Um, and uh, Savio. I mean, it, it was re- pretty much Caribbean. popularized in Puerto Rico, though. I mean, it yeah, was pretty yeah. much popularized down there. So it does. I mean, it makes right. sense. It makes sense because you got Savio Vega, who's, you know, then you got Justin Bradshaw, which it kept going in the, in the Southern wrestling and, yeah. and the Louisiana territories and the George territory, all that stuff. So um, I actually really liked it. And then you had the ECW thing that happens really early on. Um, with Sandman doing his beer, making himself bleed by crushing himself on the head. Um, you know, uh, we I've learned from other podcasts and everything all the background about this, and you know it's planned. Um, but they did a good job of making it look real. I think they really the only thing that you could, if you did, if I could put myself back in that time 
and watch this and say whether I thought it was real or not. The only thing that would at this age would be Vince McMahon talking a little bit. Like they really didn't talk about ECW doing that stuff except yeah. like they no commentary was talking and then Vince started to say something. And I forget what he said. Like, Oh, well, you know, we're not going to just, he did a very Vince McMahon thing. And I was like, Oh, that kind of, you know, I didn't get to see that as a, as a 30 year old, but now watching that, trying to put myself back in that time, I would have probably known right at that moment when Vince said what he said. And I wish I wrote down the exact quote, but I didn't kind of gave it away. Like, Oh, that was planned. Um, Anyway, um, yeah, I love no, I, I love the match. The finish was really cool. You know, uh, it was pretty much it was Bradshaw touching every corner, but he didn't know Savio Vega was touching the corners behind them. And then Bradshaw's going for the fourth corner, and Savio kind of slings him with the with the uh, strap and hits him down, touches that fourth corner. I'm sure that's a real you know classic. Uh, strap match finish, but being from the WWF era. I didn't – that's – the you know, we didn't get strap matches all the time. So I'm sure uh, in places where this was always used, you know, this was one of those good ones that they, you know, would break out every now and then. But, you know, you could tell they used one of those top ones that I'm sure fans yeah. of Caribbean strap matches know this type of finish. But for they did a good, safe finish for a Caribbean strap match. I gave the match a B. I loved it. I thought it was, uh, it was very good and uh, not too long. As I always like to talk about the length, uh, I gave it a B. What did you think about the Caribbean strap match, Justin Hawk Bradshaw versus Savio Vega? Uh, man, yeah. I mean, I noticed it was it was kind of crazy to see uh, Bradshaw so young. Um, mm-hmm. That kind of tripped me out. And Bradshaw did look uh, pretty green here, as Cass would say. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, man, uh, the heel gets kind of gets the advantage in like uh, in the strap match here on Vega. You know what I mean? Like it was kind of smart booking too, where he like already had the strap on him, and it kind of took advantage to get some cheap heat there in the beginning. Uh, that felt did very feel like Southern wrestling to me, kind of like you said. Uh, I did legit forget about the ECW guys being on this show. It's kind of crazy that it always just works out in our favor that we just pick two I random shows. I thought you meant to do that. It's crazy. I like yeah, I didn't. I didn't even mean to do that, but it worked out. Um, man, Vega was, he whipped the crap out of Bradshaw there a couple times too. There were, there were some of those shots looked pretty legit. Uh, I think those were some receipts. I think yeah, definitely. Uh, oh, definitely. was like trying to do something definitely. and Savio was like, Hey brother, I'm the yeah. vet here at homie. Why don't you sit back a little bit? That's that was my vibe. I know nothing yeah. to put. I mean, I, I, yeah, surprisingly thought the match was placed really like, or paced really well. Like they kept a really good tempo. Uh, I don't really remember the angle at all, but they were working it like they had a long feud leading up to it, uh, and it was actually a pretty good match. I kind of agree, I pretty much agree with you here. Uh, it was a smart, really smart finish with Vega being like sneaky and touching the posts like behind Bradshaw. Uh, it was pretty good booking. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed the match. I also wrote not too long, ironically. Hey. Uh, so I gave it two and a half stars, which would be like a C plus to a B minus. So we're around the same ballpark there. Uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and jump on over to the uh, the Wild Rogues themselves, uh, and it's ECW's Heat Wave 1998. Uh, the open here is Joey Styles, kind of in the ring doing his thing. Uh, he introduces Shane Douglas as like his broadcast partner, and f bombs by Douglas right away just popped me. I laughed and I was like, dude, this is why this guy never got over. Like you can't. Yeah. I mean, like what are you doing, man? Like yeah. why? What do you need? Do you need? To, do you need to do that? Like is that is that a purpose? Like I don't know. It just it felt silly to me. 
Um, Joey went motorboating on Francine, and that was pretty funny. Um, but I just, like, this whole open with all of that just made me feel so, like, how times have changed so much. Like, Oh, yeah. Could you imagine if, like, an AEW show started that way? Like, they would be no. blackballed. Like, oh, it would yeah. be terrible. It would be terrible. It's I did so wish... Funny. I did wish I was Joey in that moment though. Francine was looking. I mean, I've never. I don't even know who that is. I've never heard of her in my life. Did she ever come to the World Wrestling Federation? I don't think she did. She may Man. have for like one off. She... I think she. I think she was actually out there for the uh for the one night stand shows. Oh. Uh, I think she... she was on both of those, Man. but. I'd marry her in a heartbeat if she still looked like that. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah, but the, uh, but the, the opening match was uh, Just Incredible versus Jerry Lynn. Um, you know, if you've, if you've listened to any of our other ECW episodes, you'll know that I am a huge mark for Jerry Lynn. Uh, both as a wrestler and as a person, he lives in Nashville now. He was kind of a part of the local scene when TNA was starting here because they had pay-per-views here. So he would wrestle one-offs when I was actually wrestling. And I got to meet him and talk to him a couple times. He's a really, really great guy. Um but yeah, so I'm a little partial. Uh, but Nicole Bass and like some other oddities came out with uh, Just Incredible. Not the actual oddities from the WWF Attitude Era, but like just I don't really remember. I mean, I remember Jason, um, but I don't remember Chastity, I think is what her name was. I don't really remember her very much. It just seemed to like overload for a guy who can actually wrestle. We feel like he had way too many people around the ring, and in my opinion, that kind of bothered me. Yeah. Um, I was seeing kind of, and those are kind of like red flags that I was seeing like pretty much right away. Uh, I did love the subtle digs on commentary at the WWE by Joey Styles, though. I thought that was pretty well-placed, pretty clever, uh, nice little lines. Um, I got to say, though, it was a pretty solid like chain exchange open from both of the guys. And when they started actually wrestling, it was like, this This is going to be good. Like They were really working, and they, they sold their high spots. Um, everything made sense. They, all, they both sold really well. There was a lot of air between their, their, their spots. Uh, and both guys are really technically, you know, proficient. Uh, the interference sucked, um, but that was kind of expected. And I actually did write that I felt like this one was a little too long. Um, right around the time they did the Super Hurricane Rana, I felt like that was around the time they should have gone home. And that was another whole, like, five minutes on the match. Um, overall, though, it was a solid showing. Uh, the finish was a little silly. But it was definitely entertaining, and the super tombstone pile driver was absolutely incredible to see. Mm. Um, so I ended up giving the match two and a half stars as well. So I gave this one like a C plus to a B minus. Uh, what did you think about about Just Incredible versus Jerry Lynn? We're pretty much on the same page, man. Uh, gotta respect Jerry Lynn. Um, he really is. Uh, he's he's talk about underrated. He's underrated, man. Yeah, I did think that. The, yeah, man. The crowd was ruthless, though, like ECW crowds are known for. They barely messed up a spot. Like, they timed uh, – Justin messed up his timing, like, a tad yeah, bit. Smidgen, they yeah. didn't – like, it wasn't like a total botch. No, it wasn't no, like yeah. a Botchamania spot. It would never be on Botchamania, but the crowd right away is so ready to start saying, you effed up. It was like – Crack open one for the working man. There you go. <laughs> I love that so, you stop in the middle every time. Every time <laughs> I open a beer, you just stop what you're saying. And you're like, oh, yeah, I recognize. It's, my it's, like, it's like a dog whistle. He just yeah. stops in the middle of oh, everything yeah. he's doing, and he gets this grin on his face. And he's like, man. yeah, there it is. <laughs> if I'm ever hiding in the bushes and you need me to pop out, just crack open a beer and I'll pop my head out. Like, hey, what's that? Uh, <laughs> 
man. So yeah, it was kind of funny, but in a way I started getting annoyed of the crowd. At this point, I thought the crowd was funny. Later on, it was like this, the crowd is kind of annoying how smart they think they are kind of getting, you know, to that, I don't know, NXT crowds kind of remind me of that sometimes where they get a little annoying, like fight well, for fight forever. Like, come on guys, let's, let's pipe it Sim- down. A little simmer down. Let's, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's all just chill out. Um, <laughs> anyway, outside interference, it's like, obviously with all this, Nicole Bass, Jesus Christ. Every time I see her, it's like, wowzers. Uh, Jerry Lynn though, dude was looking great. I know you kind of said a bunch of this stuff, so I'm trying to skim through my notes. Dude, too long and boring was what I put halfway through. Too long, boring. They did redeem themselves a little bit. I didn't score it that bad. Um, I wrote again, Jerry, very impressive. I, I wish I wrote, I can't remember now off the top of my head while I said that, but obviously in this match, Jerry Lynn was just impressive. I mean, I wrote it multiple times. Like I forgot I had already wrote it. Like, man, Jerry Lynn is very impressive. This guy's great. Crazy Frankensteiner through the table. Uh, like you talked about that Frankensteiner was crazy. Yeah. Um, but this is what I really didn't like. I thought to go that long, like how long they went, it was so stupid to have an ending like we knew the ending was going to be with all those people on the outside of the ring. It was almost like if you're going to go that long, the ending should have been Jerry Lynn defiantly beating the odds and winning. But it was like they went so long with all those people on the outside of the ring to then come in, interfere, and win. It was like uh, that pissed me off so much that it felt like it wasted my time. It felt like the match was like, why you could have had a 10 minute match told the same story, got the job done, did what you wanted to do for this angle. But instead you went like way too long and then just had them in a non-creative way. And then it all sucked. You couldn't tell what was going on. The camera angle was just a wide shot. They didn't ever go to like handheld much and show you. It was like really, like really sucked at that point. But that, um, the tombstone, like you said, looked like it was very painful. That was crazy. Uh, dude, his, dude's head, like, bounced off the mat. I mean, it was it was crazy. I mean, it looked great. It was it was fantastic. But I gave it a C- minus because way too long. They could have done everything they did. But, man, sick tombstone. Um, off the top rope, they did a great job. I mean, obviously, his head didn't bounce off. I didn't mean—I mean— I know his head didn't bounce off the mat, obviously. You know what I'm saying. It looked good. Yeah, it looked yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It, it was well like, done. It was, it was just well, well performed. Done. It was, yeah, it yeah. was well done. It was well done. Um, C minus is the best I can give it. I had to go with the minus there just because of my main complaint of going that long and then, you know, with the interference. But we're kind of there. You know, I think I, I think I gave it a little bit less of a grade than you, but I think we're kind of even. Yeah, but what do you yeah, think yeah. about the comparison of, of uh, Justin Hawk? Savio versus this one. Uh, you know what? I'm actually I'm I'm even keeled with this one. I'm pretty I, like literally I give him the exact same. Yeah, it's a tie to me. It's a draw. So so far, like I can't really give the nod either way. I enjoyed both matches. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can't like I uh, and, and both I enjoyed them both about the same amount, especially for what they were on each show. They were really good. Op- they were good hype opening matches for the crowds that they were playing to. 
You know, yeah. obviously the WWE yeah. match is a little more shorter, a little more WWF style. This is, you know, if, you know, we're talking about Heat Wave ECW. So this match, Jerry Lynn, Justin Incredible, great way to open their show. Uh, so yeah. in my Definitely. opinion, I'm even, I'm even, I'm even keeled. How about you? I'm gonna have to go WWF. I'm a, I gave it a B. Um, I think it feels the ECW one's a little bit short, and not just because I always harp on a long match and whatever. There's long matches that I like. We'll get to that later. But sure. um, when you do a long match like that, it really t- took a little bit away from me. But like you said, it uh, and uh, honestly, it was a great match to start. It It was a great match to start that pay-per-view, and I enjoyed it. I didn't hate it. I gave it a C. My Minus, sorry, I drank too much beer. Oh my God! But no, uh, B. I went B on the. Sorry, no, uh, Savio Vega, Justin Hawk. I'm gonna go with that one because I gave it a B. So right now I'm swinging to the WWF side. You're in the middle. Let's keep going. Well, I can tell you right now we are. Uh, we're not gonna be talking about any sick pile drivers or any uh, anything Uh-oh. being too long on this next one. Uh, match number two in 1996 for the WWF was Jim Cornette versus Jose Lothario. Uh. We got a little clip of fake Razor and fake Diesel um, in the back, like, you know, assaulting somebody. I can't Wait, remember. Wait, they the were fake? Them. Right. But see, okay, <laughs> now this is one thing, though. Like, we all know how it played out. We all know how it played out. But to be yeah. honest, the booking was kind of genius. Like, yeah, it was, yeah. like, the booking was pretty good for this. Uh, it's just you eventually had to, you know, had to show their faces, and they just did not work out at all. And you could um, tell Vince was already, like, not liking it. He started oh, yeah, dropping comments. It. Like, yeah, he was it. like, this is sucks. And you're like, go on. But, yeah, so, uh, you know, Jim Cornette comes down looking in like he's in Vader gear. Uh, Jose Lothario is a, a solid 65 at this point. Gotta be. Looks it for sure. Uh, just old man coming out, and it's pretty much just a couple of punches and, like, a bunch of little couple gimmicks, and it's over, and a minute and a half, two minutes. Uh, Jose goes over after some punches, I guess. I don't know how else to say it, but yeah. I mean, honestly, like, Jim Cornette taking bumps is always funny to me, and the fact that they did it as as quickly as they did is what I, like, I gave it half a star. So I gave it, like, a D minus, barely passing. Uh, but it was passing because it was really quick, and I do remember yeah. this kind of storyline, so I understand you had to have the blow-off, but you didn't take up very much time. Everybody got to see... Jose beat up Jim Cornette, and that's it. That's all that we care about. So, yeah, I mean, half star, and that's the best rating you could possibly get out of this match. It certainly wasn't like that Great American Bash match with him versus Paul Heyman from uh, 1989. That match was pretty good, actually. Uh, but, but yeah, this was uh, this one not so much. What do you think about Jim Cornette versus Jose Lothario? Pretty much the same thing. I did kind of bump it to a C, but along the, long, uh, along the same lines, it was like, this wasn't supposed to be some, you know, five-star wrestling match. They had an angle. This was the blow-off. They got the job done. They did what they had to do, and they did it in a very, very short amount of time. That You know, they didn't try. Thank God they did it in a short amount of time, or this would have been, like, one of the worst things ever. Um, I will say Jim, Jim Cornette, with that outfit on, looked like he literally had a tire wrapped around his stomach. I mean, it was that guy... His body is one of the weirdest looking bodies. Super sock Jose L- L- Jose Lothario at 62, not 65. Um, I thought he looked pretty wow. good for 62, man. Super pretty sock good. was killing it. Good dude. lord. I thought Super Sock was killing it, man. He got him. He looked like he got lost, man. He looked like he was lost. He oh, looked like man. he escaped from no some nursing home. Like, well, I thought he should have beat him. 
like he did, exactly like he did. He is a legend. He's a, I don't know if he is in the WWE Hall of Fame. I think he is. He should be if he isn't. He, he really is a legend in wrestling. He's got a, a, a long history um, that you can look up. And Jim isn't a wrestler, so I like that super sock Jose Lothario just beat him and got the job done. It was what it was. Man, I I don't know. I loved how fast it was. Just I love a fast match. Jeez, I yeah. get to see. Because we got a story over and we get to keep moving. See? And then I'll just take it from here because um, right after that, Brian Pillman came out. And yeah. Owen comes out. And they start shooting a promo on Brother Brett. Um, yeah. and, and Brett's not here and they're talking about if he's scared what is he scared of and we're getting to that awesome feud of Austin and Brett and man mm-hmm. this was some good stuff I couldn't remember if Brett was there or not I was like is Brett gonna end up showing up uh, Brett didn't end up showing up but dude Austin, Austin came out up. to the ringmaster music oh he's still rocking the ringmaster music yeah. because he's this is a great pay-per-view for people to watch because you get to see an early, early, early version of Stone Cold yeah. Steve Austin. Yeah. He's got the goatee. He's got the bald head. At this point, the goatee is attaching the 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 mustache and the beard and the and the lower level, whatever you call that, is they're actually attached. At one point, they actually didn't when he's ringmaster, and it looks really weird. And when he first 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 started really getting towards Stone Cold era, they weren't attaching, and he was cutting these Stone Cold promos, but they weren't really. For me, they didn't look right because of his whole goatee. At this point, they're connecting. He's actually got the 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 uh, vest on, but he does come out to still the ringmaster music, so he doesn't have his cool glass-breaking music, but he cuts a Stone Cold promo in 1996. You don't, I, I don't realize that when yeah. I think back. I mean, it, it was, it was, it was dude, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was like, cool. get, it's an early, early, early he's version. Hu- it's hungry. He's a hungry yeah. Stone Cold, oh, yeah. which is so, yeah, he's, so different from now. I mean, yeah. and that's not, that's not a slight. I mean, that dude has earned his, 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 his food. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he's earned his keep. Uh, but it was really cool seeing like a full on Stone Cold character, but still heal and not quite over yet. You know what yeah, I mean? Like that's yeah. so rare. Like. Because it wasn't very long that he spent, like, before he was just over. Because, I mean, after this was WrestleMania 13, and that's when he was pretty much that's made. That's when he so, turns. Like, he turns yeah, that so, I mean, from... yeah, man. But let's uh, let's jump on over to the uh, to the ECW show at match number two here. And I guarantee this one's going to be a much, much higher rating, at least for me. I'm just going to go ahead and take it away here. Dude, Lance Storm versus Chris Candido. Man. Uh, wow. It was really good to see a Chris Candido match. This is if you haven't seen a lot of Chris Candido, I would highly recommend going back and watching this match specifically. Uh, Sonny hit the entrance too is like a huge surprise pop, and the crowd popped big, man. She looked like a Texas size 10-4. Like she was very, very solid uh, at this point in time. Mm. And both the guys looked incredible too, man. Like they looked in great shape. Um, it was a great technical sequence to open. Uh, beautiful exchanges back and forth. And I'm not talking about Sonny's Skype calls. I'm talking about the actual wrestling. Uh, but yeah, this is a, this is a great old school match to watch. Uh, Storm did a really good job of being like the fiery baby face. Uh, and Candido did a really good job of being like a cheap heel. Um, I really liked the match a lot. Uh, man, that suplex that Candido took uh, from like, from the ring all the way like to the concrete was insane. Like that was really wild. Um, that wobbly walk by Candido when he gets hit or like takes a spot <laughs> where he like face bumps is just hilarious. It was 
I just I for it's sad to say, but you know, I mean, like there's so been so many wrestlers that are passed that like you forget how good some of these guys were that really never got main event runs. But like, dude, Candido was really, really damn good. Um, way better than the first match, actually, I thought. Uh, and the powder spots were was funny. Uh, all the stuff with Sunny was good. The, the way the tease with like the it was very late night. It was very attitude area. The tease with like the flashing and the the malfunction or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. It, I mean, it was the finish was pretty crazy. Uh, Candido goes over after like a super power bomb, which was insane. Uh, it was a it was a three star match for me, so I gave it a solid B to a B plus. Uh, what did you think about Landstorm versus Chris Candido here? Yeah, man, I must have watched a different match because I watched Landstorm versus Skip with Sonny. I don't know what you're oh, watching, but it was Skip man. out there. And at one point, I thought it was Zip. I was like, I don't know if that's Zip. I don't know if it's Skip or Zip, but one of those guys is out there. I couldn't tell, man. I, it's I turning was over for in his grave right now. Chris I, I thought is... maybe you know one of them would come up under get the ring. You're in your sleep tonight by the man. ghost of Chris Candido. <laughs> hey, man, Skip and Zip, man. Let's let's uh do the. They were the best. Let's say no. So it, this was a good match. He at, at first I thought he looked so stupid with his headgear, and then thank God he took it off. I don't I don't know the point for the headgear, but I'm sure that had something to do with the story that was going on. I think the commentary started explaining it at one point. Uh, but it was a, it was a previous storyline where he had like got yeah. his ear, like almost took okay. off from like a rolling thunder that, uh, Rob Van Dam did with a chair. Okay. Cause um, I did so. hear that the commentary touched on it for a brief second, but then there was an yeah. interruption with the match going on and everything. Um, but he looked so stupid, but then they took it off. So I was like, thank God, like that did not, you did not look like the Steiners wearing that. Um, <laughs> it was a great start. Both men, both men look really good. Lance Storm's always been great. Uh, the crowd was really into it at the beginning, like really into it. Like, I mean, really into it. Yeah, they were, it was over. It was an over match for sure. It was very over. And the match was good. And then at one point, the match kind of, the crowd kind of like got dead because they were, I don't want to say because, but it's like they were having a good wrestling match and nothing crazy was going on. And I felt like the, the crowd just like kind of got out of it. And I was like, man, this crowd just doesn't make sense. And that's just me. I don't get the ECW thing. I don't get the crowd, but what they're chanting and they were chanting stuff in this match while the guys were wrestling and doing, I don't know. ECW man. crowds are not professional wrestling crowds, dude. They're, that's, not, sure. that's not what they go to see. They go to see spectacles. They go to right. see car crashes. They go to see fire, destruction, devastation. Like, and, like that's all I they go to like, see. Right. And I didn't, I didn't like that. They were into it. And then it kind of got into a, they started having an actual good match and they got, out. I don't know. Um, no, I agree. They, I agree. So, Dude goes with the uh, blonde bombshell power bomb off the top rope, and I'm gonna be honest. Earlier, when I said whenever we did the tombstone off the top rope, I started thinking of my note with his head bouncing off the mat. I didn't. That's why I like, kind of walked that back, and I was like, obviously his head didn't bounce off the mat with the Jerry Lynn tombstone. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking of the power bomb off the top rope. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why I was like earlier when I was like, obviously I know his head didn't bounce off the thing on a tombstone because I know what a tombstone is, but. Um, yeah, not the tombstone pile driver, or or as I used to say, power driver. Um, the, uh, the, Just uh, Easter eggs all in this episode, boys and girls. Yeah, Easter baby. For days, Easter, but they're, they're in there. You got to find them. No, but the bomb, the blonde bombshell power bomb, dude. His uh, that's what I was thinking of when we started talking about that that pile driver. Is this uh, power bomb, dude? His head really like. 
oh, he yeah. kind of landed that that part of yeah, your tailbone, like it, not that that dude. He smacked his head. I remember going, oh wait. Anyway, yeah. I gave the match. I didn't hear your rating. I gave it a B plus. I thought it was great. Yeah, I gave it a B to a B plus. I gave it three stars. Yeah, so B to a B plus for sure. Yeah, uh, somewhere around in that great. ballpark. Uh, yeah, man. And then after this one, we had a, another a promo on the ECW side. It was like New Jack, and it was like a part like parking lot segment that oh, felt oh, weird because. I mean, I don't know. That felt really weird to me, honestly. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you got good notes on this one, I was just kind of going to breeze past it. But if you enjoyed that no, promo. I, mean, I don't have much to say about it. I just I just wrote that. I really loved it. I loved that it was a big, a big brawl. You know, the Dudleys were there. There was a bunch more people there. I thought it was like a crazy good look. I thought WCW It was very much a bedlam, like – Bedlam yeah. segment, yeah, like just kind of crazy, all hell breaks loose kind of segment, yeah. Yeah, I liked that. I thought they did a better job than what WCW always claims they were able to do with making it look like a gang fight and everything. I don't know. I I think that they did a better job than what I've seen WCW and even WWE do. It looked it looked real. It looked like I mean I know it wasn't real, but it looked sure. good. I thought sure. it looked like raw. It was raw. Yeah. That's what I liked about it. But yeah. no, I don't have I don't have heavy notes on that one but yeah no heavies bro no heavy notes on no that heavies one? no heavies on the on the on the bra but i did like it where what's after what where where are we uh we're back to uh just to keep talking about sunny the most uh, aol downloaded image oh. uh for a female ever of all time yeah. uh thank you america it's online fine. uh she wishes she had mail now just hit her up on skype you can get a little mm. uh maybe some dj action moving on uh yeah so uh the smoking guns with Sonny versus oh. Owen and Bulldog for the WWF Tag Team Championships. This is match number yes. three uh, on the docket here. And yes. man, uh, dude, Billy looks like a baby. Like, just like a baby. Billy Gunn looked like an actual child. Um, I've already said several times that Owen is the best tag team wrestler ever because he can, he, he had multiple um, historic tag teams and they all were champs, all had good runs. Um, I mean, just phenomenal. Um, I mean, three quarters of the guys in the ring are really, really good. Um, but, you know, it is what it was. Uh, it was a very fundamental tag match. I enjoyed it. It was pretty – it wasn't too long. I liked that. Um, the, the near falls were – some of the near falls were pretty good. Sonny kind of selling the near falls as a manager is good. I miss managers in wrestling. Uh, and, you know, we, we, we poke fun at Sonny. But, honestly, it, when she was clear-headed, when she was, you know, in her prime, she was a pretty good manager, too. She sold well. She was good on the mic when she was sober. Um, yeah, so, I mean, like, I, I feel like sometimes she gets overlooked and she is kind of more of a joke these days. But, the, in like, in 1996, she was killing it. She was in her prime, and she did a great job. Uh, I thought the finish was good. A good way to, like, kind of plant the seeds to split up the guns, too. Uh, I, you could tell here at this point that they definitely had high hopes for Billy. Um, they thought he would could be a you know a, a singles guy. Uh, I still kind of feel like Billy could be a singles guy. I know that you know we listen to like the Bruce Prichard podcast and a couple of others, and they're all kind of like, oh well, Billy had asthma or whatever. But I just don't think that's true. I think if they had, I mean, not that he doesn't have asthma, I'm sure it's probably true. But if, I feel like if they he'd gotten the right push at the right time, um, the guy could have been a main event guy, honestly, uh, especially if he would have had a mouthpiece around him. Um, but yeah, man, Bulldog gets the win and Owen and Davey are the new WWF tag team champions. I enjoyed the match. Uh, I gave it two and a half stars. Uh, so C plus to a B minus. Uh, what did you think about, uh, the smoking guns with Sonny versus Owen and Bulldog? Yeah. Let me tell you what I thought, <laughs> man, both these, uh, so first of all, both these teams were heels. That was kind of weird. It was like both of them were kind of playing, 
the heel thing. It was, uh, you know, a little bit. Well, they were baby faces. Like, okay, so the guns were baby well, faces. Feel, and then all well, of a sudden they got with Sonny. And so Sonny and Billy were like the heels, but Bart was supposed to be the baby face. And right. they were going to do the split. Yeah, I get but it. They've been planting I mean, those seeds from, all, from the beginning. I got I remember that, that storyline so well. I don't know why. Probably because I was obsessed with Sonny because I was like man. 13 or 12 or 13 I at this time. I, I was, I'm right at like I remember this too. Yeah, no, I both were were in this match. We're acting both as heels, and and that's what was, was the strange thing. Um, and, but dude, we were so freaking good. I mean, they looked like they were in their own. And Bart and Billy are great. Both of them are great. But there was something about Owen and Davey, man. It's no surprise. I I, I don't need to be the one to tell you. Everyone knows both these men were freaking good, man. And then. All of them in this match, all four of them. This was a great tag team match. Everybody, everybody did a great job. But Billy was so Billy Gunn is so fit and so big and so strong, and is one of the most fit people you'll ever see. And how like little he looked, mus- muscular wise, was just crazy. Yeah. Was, he looked like was, he looked like Seth Rollins. Like that's what he looked like. Yeah. Like tall, kind of yeah. cut, but not like super swole. Like, I mean, I'm sure – and that's the thing, too. Like, these are wrestlers. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I would have seen Billy Gunn in 1996 in a a Walmart, I would have been like, holy shit, that dude's a bodybuilder. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was still big. But you got to remember, this is the 90s when everybody was on roids. Like, everybody was on roids. So, like – And what Billy became and what he looks like still today in his 40s or whatever, he's just – he's like a Greek god, and he's been that way for a long time. So it's kind of funny to see him there, man. But yeah, I say give um, Billy Gunn a run in AEW. AEW, I know you're listening hey, to the show. Give him a run. He's working as an agent, but give him a run, man. Give him a run. Why not? Hell yeah. Um, I thought it was an old school match, man. They did do a, a you know, a simple manager thing. Uh, Clarence Mason ended up coming down and interferes the ref, and then Owen makes the save. It felt like they were going just some cheap, classic, old school way of doing it, and then that wasn't the case. Because that's not how they won. Owen and Davey ended up winning, but man, the finish kind of sucked. It was so Bart couldn't make the tag because Billy was distracted by Sonny. Like yeah. Billy was just standing there and like very obviously like cartoonish looking at Sonny, like, what? I'm looking at you because I can't make the tag. And then Bart gets hit. And then Billy comes in the ring because he notices it to break up the pin, and he like his timing went was all, all the wrong. way around to it, the other. He went corner. all the way around and like yeah, yeah. high stepped very like old school yeah. 80s like yeah. high stepping it towards uh Dave or whoever didn't make Dave or Owen whichever one it was like high stepped it towards him like oh oh I need you to hit me so I don't it just very ruined like what they a great thing that they had going so I gave it a minus. On my B. I still gave it a B, but I gave it a B minus because I actually I loved the match and I love Davy. I mean, Davy did a, a vertical suplex. Uh man, everything was so good. Owen was doing, you know, uh heel spinning heel kicks, everything. They just they look so good. I loved it. I gave it a B minus. If there was as if they could have just fixed that ending, it could have been a B plus, but B minus to a C plus because of that goofy ending and, and yeah. just the way he was distracted from Sonny, it was like, come on, man. I don't, I don't know. 
I don't know. Well, I feel like that tag match had some pretty decent psychology, but this next match had no psychology at all. We're, let's go ahead and jump over to the ECW side, uh, and we're going to talk about Mike Awesome versus Masato Tanaka. And if you have been listening to this show before, uh, we did talk about ECW's One Night Stand when they had this match, and I loved it. I adored it. I told Cass, I was like, man, if you go back and watch those old matches with these guys, you'll understand why this match was the way it was. So... Uh, that being said, I'm going to go ahead and say this just to nip it in the bud right away. The 2005 match was significantly better than this one. It was not <laughs> nearly as good. Um, man, it, uh, just seeing the guy's entrance, though, I was hype on it. I was like, man, this one's going to be a slugfest. It's going to be a good one. Uh, and then, like, I, it, after the first couple minutes, I was like, ah, I'm not really into this. It's just, like, big spots after big spots, and, like, it doesn't make any sense. But then I was like... Then I like kind of like paid attention to the guys, and it was like they weren't even listening to the crowd at all. But they made it apparent, like it was like almost part. Like th- there was they weren't they weren't working. There was no psychology in this match because they're actually beating the shit out of each other. Like that that's what was happening. I think I saw like maybe two working punches in the whole match, and the rest of them were just straight potatoes. Like I mean, they were just going full throttle. Like and so once I got. It was weird because it's like the first five minutes, I was like, oh, this is going to be a spot fest. It's going to suck. Uh, and then I was like, after a while, I was like, ah, God, that had to be vicious. And then there was another one. And I was like, Jesus, like all these big spots, like one after the other. And at, what, at first I was like, man, this is too much. And then I was like, and then they kind of sold me on it. And I got into it to where it's like, this has to be the finish. This has to be the finish. So it was like, it's almost like they, they built the psychology towards the end because by the end they were... They were just doing so many high impact things that by the end of it, you're like, this has to be the finish. And they had, they totally sold the crowd on it too. Like by the time you got towards the end of this match, it was, they really sold the crowd on those false finishes. And those were really well done. Now, granted they did detrimental harm to their bodies and their lives uh, to get to that point that they probably didn't have to do, but that is the route that they chose to take. And they did succeed in that route. Um, Finally, Tanaka goes over after Tornado DDT onto some chairs. I did end up giving the match two stars because it wasn't as good as their other outings. And it was too long. And the first five to ten minutes of it was kind of painful to watch. But then after that, it did kind of pick up a little bit just because I was like, what else can they do? Uh, I mean, that powerbomb out of the ring through a table on the concrete was was sickening. I mean, he landed on the back of his head like... Very easily could have broken that noggin and broken that neck. Um, yeah, two stars. What did you think about Mike Awesome versus uh, Masato Tanaka here? Yeah, man. Uh, I don't have much more to say other than what you said. Uh, some of my other notes, then you kind of hit everything on the head as far as the match goes. Um, I thought, you know, this as the pay-per-view is going, this is the third singles match in a row. Kind of felt like, is that they're gonna? And then there was another singles match after this. It was like I started noticing, like, man, they're just doing singles matches. But there's nothing wrong with that. But it 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 did feel like maybe they could have had something different here. And they did have the little outside interference thing with the, you know, and RVD and Sabu had an interview before this match. And then the outside of the thing with New Jack that we talked about earlier. So. You know, maybe that was the thing to mix it up, but it was kind of like singles match for singles match for singles match. And then also, it is way too late in the 90s to be wearing a mullet like that. I mean, 
Mike Awesome, he had just a straight up mullet for the for like the dictionary of mullets. Like I don't know. Dictionary how you... of mullets. Yeah, man. Wow. You never heard of that? ProWrestlingTees.com, man. We gotta get we gotta just get we have merch get ideas. One, we have so many merch so, ideas now. Like <laughs> Man, there's Sean. So like Sean Michaels has a good mullet. Marty had a good mullet. There's a bunt dude. You know who rocked a really good mullet? Jimmy Hart. Dude, you know who's rocking South. a really good mullet these days, brother? Uh, Brian Pillman Jr. Brian Pillman Jr. Yeah, yeah shout out to my AEW show with yeah. that blonde mullet that was just killing yeah. it. Yeah, killing great. it, dude, killing it, man. Uh, a lot of good mullets, man. My my brother Theo Vaughn, look him up. He's a comedian from Louisiana, rocking the mullet in 2019, man. I'm telling you. But this mullet right here that Mike Awesome had, unacceptable. I'll never accept that. Um, other than that, man, pretty much I'm on the exact same page. I did think this match was way, way, way too long. The only thing that was good about the length of it is that I didn't like the match. And then I actually kind of got into the match and got a little bit uh, pleasantly surprised about some of the good things I saw. And I guess if they didn't, they needed to go that long to get me there. But, man, I can't rate it too high. I, I actually gave it a C because I did see some good things that you touched on. But, man, I, I, I gave it a C. But what I liked even better, not really. I can't say that I liked even better. Yeah, I, I know don't you know were trying to I make th- that smooth transition. There, but I don't but. know if I, I – well, I think they're kind of tied. It's Mark Henry versus Jerry Lawler. Jerry the King Lawler. Um, you don't expect from this match. So unless you have anything else to say, I'm gonna jump into Mark Henry. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, well, I mean, we are like halfway through these two shows, and to be totally honest, I'm actually leaning a little bit more towards the ECW show at this point. Um, a little bit. I mean, if if I'm averaging out stars that I have, I got seven stars after three matches uh, from ECW, and I got five and a half uh, from from mm. the WWF show. So I'm a full star and a half behind in the average here. Um, but yeah, man, go ahead and take it away with Jerry Lawler versus yeah, Mark yeah. Henry. I'm I'm halfway through. I'm I'm towards WWE, man. I gave a couple. Of, there was a one B plus for ECW, um, and a couple Bs and a C for WWF. So I'm 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 over in the WWF, WWF side. But this might change things because as you heard me stumble through my terrible transition, I thought I was going over to a great match of Goldust and the Undertaker. But then I realized there was a match before that, and that's Mark Henry versus the king of memphis jerry the king lawler and uh you know you don't expect much from this match you know you see the story it all makes sense though this is an introduction to the new um asset of the world wrestling federation and that is mark henry you know they're gonna try to introduce him to the public here in the in a wrestling format and i i think they did the job you know um uh, I don't. I mean, it wasn't a re- it wasn't a wrestling cl- clinic, man. Um, I I didn't understand why. I I feel so bad that I keep bringing up the length, but I didn't understand why I went so long. Like you they love did so to much talk in this about match. Length, I know, and I feel bad, just, but it's length is just like, a big issue in your life. I feel isn't like it? that's my issue. I feel, and I that's why I'm saying I hate to bring it up, but I keep this match. It's like I always feel like it's not. I didn't mean it before, but this match, you know what well, I mean? Watch like, out, boys and girls. He might start complaining about girth next, but. Hey, know. hey, 
Hello. Um, but that's how I feel. I'm like, I, I know I talked about length in the other matches. I know that I thought those other matches were too long, but no, seriously, this match is too long. That's how I always feel. But seriously, like this match is like, I didn't understand why Mark Henry and Jerry Lawler went so long. Like they went, they went almost 15 minutes. It was like, yeah. come on, guys. No, I, like, yeah. Well, no, it wasn't no, 15. It was like 11 minutes, something like that. I said almost 15. You know, you yeah, go 11. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. I guess there, you're right. You, know, you got you to gotta say things and uh, try to make them sound, you know, I don't know. Anyway, uh, so, you know, uh, King ends up tacking, tacking, tapping to a backbreaker is what they were calling it um, by Mark Henry. Uh, which I don't believe Mark ever really stuck with that finisher, but that's what he was doing there, a backbreaker, um, which was really like kind of a modified torture rack. I don't, yeah. I, I don't know what else to yeah. call that. Um, and then the new rockers came out, uh, which is Marty Jannetty and Al Snell. Uh, Leaf Cats yeah. killing it, getting beat up. And this is just to make Mark Henry look strong. And then yeah. um, the – you know, the the man himself, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, comes the out. The boy incumbent. And he gets picked up by Marcus Henry and lifted over his head, uh, Ultimate Warrior style, and lifted out of the ring onto the new rockers like a doll because this is before Hunter uh, ever went to Mexico and got that juice. And, uh, yeah, Mark, you know, beat them all up, and they did the job, and they looked really good. And it did the job to make Mark look strong, but I did give this match a C minus, and maybe I'm biased because of the star power in this match, and I love Jerry Lawler, and I love the commentary, commentary, everything. This is my generation. I gave it a C minus. They got the job done. It, it could have actually got better if it wasn't like so freaking long, you know? Because yeah. you go into this match, how I started my notes, you're not expecting much, kind of right. like the. Jim, the uh, Jim Cornette thing. I'm not expecting a match match, but I'm expecting to be entertained. And they did entertain me, but it got boring because, again, like I always say, it's too long, man. I like a good five-minute match. Give me a whole card with five-minute matches. Boom, 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 boom. A-plus all around. That's what I want. AEW, you listening? Five-minute matches, dog. <laughs> good Lord. Good Lord. All right, man. Well, I want, I want to take a quick step back, though, because right before this match, we did have a, a Mankind Paul Bearer promo uh, on the main event for the evening. And, dude, I, I just got to say that, like, this Mankind, like, this version of Foley and any of his characters, any of his gimmicks is, like, this is my favorite. Like, this is his absolute best promo work in this, like, specific young, early Mankind character, like, was so, so good. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. But, yeah, when we get into the match here... Uh, you know, Lawler's just, you know, just talking and talking the entire way to the ring, which you gotta love that. That's just kind of his thing. He's just letting his mouth kind of carry his matches at this point, which is fine. He's earned it. He's gotten yeah. to that point. Uh, Henry looked like a straight-up deer in headlights, though. Um, again, green, as Cass would say. Uh, it's Cass's favorite word. Favorite color is green. Uh, yeah, Lawler made it work, though. I mean, Actually, I red. Like, yeah, well, you know, we'll see. The point of the... The point of the match is to get the rookie over, and the King did the absolute best he could to accomplish that. It was way too long. Uh, after Lawler like missed the spear though and went sailing to the outside, uh, Henry totally did like uh, the black guy like meme thing where he points the gif where he points to his head, and I was like, oh my god, we have got to make a gif out of this. Like if we Dude. just use that instead, because it's there. Like. Whoever is listening and that makes gifts in your spare time, 
Like, go and watch Jerry Lawler versus Mark Henry. At one point, uh, uh, Lawler goes for a spear, and Mark Henry just kind of moves out of the way, and he goes sailing through the ropes. And he looks, like, at the crowd and does the finger point to the head. It's amazing. It's perfect. It's a perfect gift that we should use, all pro wrestling fans should use. Um, Super funny. I popped, I mean, I popped really hard for it. I made huge notes for it. I put them in capital letters. I loved it. It was super funny to me. Uh, but yeah, the, Henry went over after the uh, the backbreaker submission. Um, some other generic heels kind of came out. Yeah, like the Rockers. And then, you know, Uncle Paul himself came out. And uh, they got dominated, uh, no pun intended, considering where his next gimmick will lead him. But yeah, I thought it was a good way to put over a young guy. And I pretty much gave it the same rating. It would give it like a star and a half. So like a C minus. Uh, to a D plus, but yeah, man, uh, moving right along. Let's just jump, jump back over to the, uh, ECW show in 1998 heat wave and match number four here, uh, is Hakushi and Hayabusa versus RVD and Sabu, man, Taz, did, do you know, do you know these Japanese guys by any chance? Um, I know Hakushi from, uh, the world wrestling federation, the guy with the the fake tattoos on his face? Is yeah, that, yeah. Is that yeah. 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 No, I don't yeah. I don't know the other guy. Do you know the other guy? Yeah, so Hayabusa is a like absolute god in Japan. Um he is uh, a guy that's very highly respected. He is pretty much the father of uh you know, the Japanese style was very strong style and slow with big striking and big power like holds and bear hugs and that kind of thing. Hayabusa and Liger were kind of two of the first Japanese guys to to really do the high spots. I mean, you got guys like like Tiger Mask that would bring them in, like with with uh, you know Davy Boy Jr. Um, and Tiger Mask too. Uh, you know the, the Tiger Mask kind of character did more more high spots and more high flying. But Hayabusa was really a pioneer, man. I mean he I mean I think he arguably invented the shooting star press. Uh, the, the dude ended up breaking it, breaking his neck in the ring on a shoot on a bot shooting star, uh, and is now in a wheelchair. And it's really sad, but he was an. Wait, this guy here? Hayabusa, yeah, he is currently in a wheelchair. He broke his neck in the oh, ring. Oh man. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he's. I mean, when I was wrestling, uh, in the fairgrounds as a local guy, I, I was part of like a little stable called the Misfits, and we were like just punk rock, like, you know, like skinny kids, the the actual like delinquents that annoyed everyone, and we were the you know the whiny little baby heels. Uh, and we had a, a guy in the group. His name was Justin Sane. And he tried so hard to let to get Burt Prentice to let him wear a Hayabusa mask. Like, he just wanted to be under a mask. But he was, you know, a white kid from Nashville, Tennessee, and it made no sense. And Burt Prentice pretty much told him no. Uh, actually, I think he did get away with wearing it, wearing it for, like, a couple of shows. Oh, God. They, they nipped it in the bud pretty, pretty, pretty quickly. But, yeah, man, he... You know, we we trained together, so he like, I mean, in the AOL days, uh, you could like torrent like uh video clips very much before like YouTube, you torrented like little video clips, and yeah. I had so many like three PG files, like really crappy video files of Hayabusa matches and Hayabusa high spots, and um, man, I was so hyped to see this match. I was so hyped to see um, what you know when I saw that Hayabusa was on this card, I like really popped. Uh, he was kind of a pioneer for FMW at the time, which is a kind of a death match or more hardcore focused, uh, Japanese promotion. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I, I popped really hard for it. I was really excited about it. I, I feel like Hakushi here, uh, was on, on the mind of like other people's 
on their minds for this pay-per-view because he was recently off that WWF run. So that kind of added to his credibility. Now, once the match started, I got kind of bummed out because I know I know how good Hayabusa was, uh, and yeah. I, especially at this time. But it started off super clunky with RVD. Like, you could tell there was at least some kind of language barrier there or something because, like, everything that they tried to pull off together was clunky and just didn't work. It's like, the, it's like Hayabusa didn't know any of RVD's moves, and RVD didn't know any of Hayabusa's moves. And a lot of a lot of what RVD does, like the Rolling Thunder and that kind of thing, they're like long, drawn-out spots. It's not just like one move. So you could just tell that they weren't really communicating well, and it was really shaky. Uh, the crowd was super hot for Sabu in this match, though. Um, man, it was... Uh, it was really underwhelming, and it really bummed me out, man. It was just—it was underwhelming because I know—I know exactly how good Hayabusa is, and obviously I know how good you know RVD is. Uh, maybe it was nerves. I'm—I'm just—I'm not sure, but it wasn't. It was just—it was rough. It was—it was just rough overall. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, surprisingly, Sabu seems to be working a more WWF style, like in this match. He, he's like when he got in. There were, like, a couple of quick pins. He went straight into, like, a sleeper. Like, quickly, like, slowed down the pace. Maybe he just saw, like, the, the, the language barrier there. But it was cool to kind of see a guy that's kind of known to mess up and be, like, a kind of a car crash as a wrestler be the more, like, wily veteran in this match. I feel like Sabu really took control and slowed things down. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, worked at much slower pace. Even after Hayabusa got tagged. And he seemed to kind of keep the match at a certain tempo. And it was probably the best work I've seen of Sabu because of that. Like he was, he did a really good job of accentuating his high spots and he slowed down. He sold really well in this match too, which I don't really see much from Sabu. Uh, RVD was way more entertaining in ECW than he was in WWF. I feel like that's not even debatable, especially after you see some of these promos. He was way more like much better personality than Vince made him out to be. Uh, there were a couple of really cool dive spots to the outside of the ring. Uh, everything made sense, and it was all in context of the match. Um, honestly, though, it, it, this 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 kind of match was the essence of what ECW was. Um, you know, I mean, there there were a couple crazy bumps and spots that kind of lost continuity. But again, that's kind of what ECW was. It was the car crash, uh, and and the crowd was super into it. Uh, I mean, Sabu and RBD finally go over after a double leg drop through a table. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, even after the shaky start, again, like, th this crowd is what sold me on a lot of these matches because they were so into it, and it got me into it. Uh, so I ended up giving this match three stars. I gave it a B um, to even a B plus. Uh, you know, especially with Sabu working a more slow WWF style, uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, what did you think about this Hakushi Hayabusa versus RVD and Sabu match? Man, you're going to hate me, and you're going to talk shit, but... Man, I, I'm I'm pretty much on the same level as you. Uh, I will say I really love Sabu and his character here. I, I really I, I've never got to see him in his true ECW days and his real character. And he was scaring me. I loved it. That at one point, one of the best things I've ever seen in wrestling happen. The fans started. Sh he was standing on the apron because it's a tag match. Waiting and going. The fans started chanting for him earlier on the match. He got so hyped up. He started looking at the crowd. He's running back and forth on the apron. And then he jumps in the ring trying to fight somebody. Just looking for somebody to fight. And the referee has to like get him out of the ring. I loved that. Little like that little yeah. nuance there, man. And yeah. it was like 
I've never ever seen any, yeah. he reminded me a little bit of Randy Savage just because yeah. like the macho man Randy the chaos, Savage was, the chaos of it was, yeah. yeah yeah he's like out there he you don't know like this guy is crazy yeah. this guy's a maniac and even yeah. as a wrestling fan as a mark or whatever you want to call it somebody who knows the business you're still kind of like I don't know about this guy and I didn't know about this guy cuz he's running in the ring it's like he didn't he was running back and forth in the apron he's trying to fight RVD like the beginning of the match, I loved that. Like I yeah, loved, yeah, yeah. loved, loved all of that. Was like all that meant so much. Like stuff like that. That's why I talk about long matches because sometimes it's not the match. It's like stuff like that. Like you gotta make it. Ah, you gotta make it entertaining. And man, this pay per views. This the this pay per view should have been named ECW, uh, whatever the year was, long match. 1998 ECW long match because Jesus, this match, why so long? I mean, it it started getting where I was getting so bored each match because it was like, yeah, this is a good match. Oh wow, the match is still going. 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 The match just they just kept going and can't kept going. I don't know. I actually stopped locking the crowd during this match because they did the UF'd up chant again and. Man, and then my other critique is I, I went along the same lines as you is probably a language barrier because you could really tell that the timing was off a little bit. There was a couple yeah. moments where uh, – not a couple. There was a few. I mean there was a few moments where the timing was off, and you know maybe we're judging saying timing, but you know seeing as they are Japanese, you can only assume that the reason there was some timing issues was because of a language barrier. Who knows? Um, other than that, man, I, I don't – I don't know. Other than it being way too long, there was a double leg drop uh, off um, off the top uh, to the table. RVD and Sabu kept the titles. Wait to oh wait, I had something for you. I this just reminded me. RVD and Sabu, Daniel, why in the world? Let me finish. Let me finish the uh, first thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm jumping all over. I gave them match a C. I gave the them KG match a C. cast boys and girls. KG the KG cast. I'm getting cagey right here. So I gave this match a C. Thought it was middle of the road. Thought it was nothing special, nothing bad, but it went way too long. Gave it a C. Uh, again, this match, this pay-per-view is full of Cs for me. Uh, one B-plus and a bunch of Cs. But why in the world were there, did their tag titles look exactly like the WWF Intercontinental title? And then... Also, RVD held the title in his hand. They had an interview TV before title. the matches, and it looked exactly like the winged eagle, but a little more rounded. Why were their titles like that? Was that a gimmick? No, there were just—I mean, there was only a few people making belts at the time, and ECW didn't have a whole lot of money, so they just like kind of hodgepodge some prints and just made mismatches of Man. titles. Well, it's kind of a long run thing. Talk about it. Yeah, it's about, a thing. It was like, I was like, why are they holding two Intercontinental titles? And then it's RVD kind of brought a thing we just don't talk about. Oh, it's kind of just a thing. We don't RVD talk looked like he was holding a dollar, like the Dollar General that's version. Just, uh, yeah, let's not, All let's right. not do this. You know okay, what? I agree. We have to, I mean, either, either way, we have to say this match was better than than the Jerry Lawler and Mark Henry match. It has to be. Yeah, because I gave that one a C minus, and I gave this match a C, so it barely wins. Well, either way, I'm st- I'm still kind of leaning towards <laughs> the ECW show, man. I I mean, 
I honestly didn't expect it at all, but I'm I'm definitely leading more toward the ECW. Let's ju- let's jump back over to WWF, uh, and we have the commentary booth kind of promoting the Buried Alive uh, thing, and the the package, the promo, kind of covering the the history and the Mankind Undertaker storyline, uh, and then that leads us into the next match, which was Goldust versus the Undertaker. Um, and yeah, man, I, I just want to say that like you know throughout the show. I've always said, like, you know, yo, Undertaker was a good wrestler. He really was, but he's not as great as everyone makes him out to be. Um, and I always said, you know, if he had the right dance partner, he had a great match. And this is one of those matches. He had a really good match here. Uh, he was, you know, obviously a lot younger, uh, a lot more prep in his step. But, yeah, man, I mean, he just – this was a much – I mean, this was a really good Undertaker match. Of course, you know, Goldust is a more underrated performer as well, and, like, he definitely had a lot to do with it. Both guys played their parts equally well. In this match, uh, Taker came out looking strong and pretty much threw Goldust around. Uh, and I really noticed in this show that, like, the new generation ring had, like, no bounce to it. Like, some of these slams, like, there's, like, the, nobody's bouncing. Like, they're, it's just flat land. Like, I mean, you could tell why these guys were complaining about such a stiff ring at this, at this time. Um, Taker oversold a little bit after the dust in the face. Uh, it was a little bit clunky, a little bit cartoonish. Uh, and there was definitely some clunk in the match in general, uh, and then it and then it started to drag to me. I felt I felt like this this is the one that I wrote like this is the time that I get to say it was too long. Like I felt like this match was a little too long. Uh, it was almost like a brawl without like a lot of aggression. It was like they, at, at certain points it was like they were brawling in the ring, but it wasn't even it didn't feel very violent. I guess I, I don't know. It just wasn't the best. Uh, I mean, the choke slam off the top was good, uh, and the tombstone was pretty low and kind of scary. Uh, it, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. I gave the match two and a half stars, um, so like I gave it, you know, a C plus to a B minus. Uh, again, like I felt like Taker. This is one of the best Taker matches that we've covered for his performance. But uh, that being said, it just wasn't. It didn't. It it underwhelmed me. Uh, what did you think about Goldust versus Undertaker? Man, these are two of the all-time greats. Two of my favorites. Goldie Hawn, Undertaker. They both looking good here. Goldie looked a little bit overweight, though. Goldie looking a little bit Goldie Wilson. Goldie Wilson looking a little overweight here. Um, But he still looked good. Even with the extra weight, he still looked good. This is old-school gold dust, um, and I loved it. Not a fan of... Of gay of I just almost said gay R, gay not a fan of gay R's commentary. Not a fan of gay R. Yeah, that's a, that's a no, not a fan of JR's commentary for the whole show. He was doing that whole he had an angle going with the fake razor, uh, fake diesel thing, and he was actually trying to be a heel in his heel commentary, and they were, they were making him an actual character for the first time. <laughs> I didn't like it. He his he was being condescending to Vince. He was being he was being just a, an a-hole, and like Jr. is such a, I love Jr. He's a lovable guy, and I, I didn't like. This is the only time they ever did that. It was like for a couple months, and you see it here, and it wasn't just this match. It was leading up to this match, but it, it was like he said things all throughout it. You know, he brought up Vince's trial, which I actually liked that that he brought up Vince's steroid trial, but um, it didn't I, I liked that they brought it up. I just wish it wasn't him. You know what I mean? Right. Um, 
uh, something about JR doing it just didn't feel right because it's JR and he's good old JR, you know, barbecue. I wish JR was a heel though. I feel like he'd be so good oh, if he wanted man. if he wanted to be hated. And like he says, well, he like was doing if you want it, if you if he wanted to be hated, he would be a fantastic heel. I think he'd be great at anything he does because he's probably like the greatest. Just, just a curmudgeon old man in AEW. He'd sure. be a great heel commentator. Like I actually. Know. Dude, make him, him and the Tony heel. are gonna and Tony, yeah, baby, him and Tony. Yeah. Well, both of them are play-by-play guys, so we'll see what happens. But maybe, maybe one will be on one show and one will be pay-per-view. I don't know. Um, like I said, Goldie looking a little overweight. Taker looked really good, man, doing the you know the yeah, walk on the great. ropes, everything. Taker was uh, that was that was why I love Taker, man. I remember the first time I went to a show, and, and it was actually 1995 or 1996. It might have been the same year as this. It was 95 or 96. I remember my biggest my biggest complaint was that when Taker came out, it wasn't that dark. I always thought as a kid, especially in this time, how dark it would be with the smoke and the yeah. blue lights and everything. And I'll never forget in this this era of uh, Undertaker how dark it does not actually get in the arena yeah. because of the camera and everything. It looks like it's pitch black. And I remember I was so scared. I was a kid. I was like six or seven years old, and I was so scared the whole time. Like, oh my God, what's gonna happen? When Undertaker comes out. I'm gonna be so so scared. I'm gonna have to hold my dad's hand. And then it like literally you can see everybody in the arena. Like it's not that dark. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this is what that is. And I. I remember thinking it was a mistake. Like, oh man, they, it was a mistake. And then the next year we went, and it was the same thing. And then obviously I've seen the Undertaker like 15 times since. And it's like, oh, it actually doesn't get that dark. But I don't know. Seeing him in '96 reminded me of that uh, good memory of seeing him because I was around the same time I saw him for the first time live, and it doesn't get that dark. Um. Anyway, Goldie throws actual gold dust, literal gold dust, into Taker's eyes. Um. It was, you know, I thought this was a great old school match. I didn't see much wrong about it. I didn't think it was actually too long. I thought it was a Jesus. very physical, great match. I thought they had great rings. They were great psychology. Taker won clean with a tombstone, which I loved that he just got a clean one, two, three tombstone. His move. That's what Taker gets. That's what Taker deserves. That's what Taker should have. And, and you know, Goldie still looked good because... It wasn't a one-and-done match. Goldie had a long, long storyline, a bunch of matches with Undertaker. So, you know, Goldie loses in the ring, flat out on his back. But, hey, he had a good run. Undertaker deserved it because he's the man. He's one of the greatest of all time. I gave it a B plus. B plus. B plus. B plizzle. B plizzle. Wow. All right. Well, I'm still leaning more towards the ECW show. So we're going to jump back over to the ECW show now. And we had uh, the FTW, the FTW uh, World Heavyweight Champion was uh, Taz at the time uh, versus Bam Bam Bigelow. And again, this is 1998, so he's not too far removed from his WWE run. Um, And man, like Taz takes a powerbomb and 100% no sells it. Did you notice that? Did you see that like right at the beginning? My first, yes, yes. I was like, wow. My first note, Taz no sells it. Selling that's ECW in a nutshell. Yeah, right I mean that that really bothered me. I, honestly, like to be totally honest, like I liked ECW, but I was never really big into Taz. I always thought he was pretty overrated um, as a wrestler, and everyone kind of talks about that. Not that he wasn't good. I mean, he was good. I'm I'm gonna give the devil his due. He was a good wrestler. 
Uh, and this match was not a bad match by by any means, uh, especially compared to the rest of the show. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't any uh, you know it wasn't any like earth shattering crazy ECW thing, but they had some high spots that are still played today, uh, and so that's that has value. You know what I mean? Um, you know after sure. that. But after that power bomb and the no cell, it was pretty much like straight into brawling in the crowd. And I even wrote down like Cass is gonna love this match because of all the brawling yeah. in the crowd. Like I know how much you love that. So uh, uh, and honestly, I thought this match wasn't really good at that point. It was way too much time in the crowd, in my opinion. By the time they got back in the ring, both guys were like totally gassed, and it took a while for them to recover from that. Uh, I was ready to give the match a dud, but they did actually recover. Um, some of the spots felt uh, a little sluggish, but but when the finish happened, uh, it's got to get a decent rating just for that. I mean, because the, the finish is is another thing. It's something that you remember. It was an it was a total oh shit moment that was very real, very well done, um, and it was well paced at the end. Uh, and to me, if you have a, a fantastic finish to a pretty bad match, it can really save the match. Um, now that's not to say I gave it a B or anything close. I gave it two and a half stars. So I gave it like a, a C to a C plus. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if the actual wrestling had been more in the ring and less in the crowd and that same finish had happened, I feel like this match would have gotten a pretty solid rating for me, but two and a half stars just because the bulk of the match, I would agree is not very good, but the finish was fantastic. I mean, going through that like entrance ramp, um, especially considering they had to top going through the ring and the, no one expected it because everyone was running up and down that entrance ramp. Like it was really, it was a really good stunt spot. Um, so yeah, two and a half stars for me, just pretty much just for the finish. what do you think about Taz versus Bam Bam Bigelow? Man, I gave it a C minus, you know, I don't have much else to say. I don't want to just repeat everything you said. I think the match was here we go, baby way too long. Yeah, I way agree. too much out of the ring. They're just out of the ring most of the match, but it was it was way too long just in general. Um, Taz no selling, not just that power bomb because I definitely wrote that note down, but he no selled throughout the whole match. That was like his gimmick. I even wrote at one point, uh, being honest, being genuine, is that Taz? I didn't know because I'm not. A, I don't watch. I never watched ECW. Was that his gimmick to no sell? Like kind is of. he just uh, yeah. He was because kinda, he no sell. It was the like finish. the early days of UFC, like when it was actually like legit, like yeah. no holds barred kind of fighting. Like you'd see like a yeah. super heavyweight versus like a skinny guy. So that was kind of his gimmick, is that he just wouldn't sell, and he was like ultimate fighter so, or whatever. To to save some time, I gave you the I, I gave you my C minus. We're gonna cut, but even the no selling, and I said it was way too long. But the they go through the the uh, the the stage, the ramp area, and he pops out no selling that then wins the match it was like very like the guy what was the point that's why people don't understand professional wrestling and they could say whatever they want to say about me but what's the what's the point of professional wrestling if somebody's just gonna like this match honestly should probably get lower than a c minus like what's the mat what's the point of having a match like this if you're just gonna no sell a powerbomb from the get-go it kind of you know there's a a good argument whether you agree with me or not you got to admit there's an argument with, with not selling a power bomb from bam bam bigelow at the beginning of the match and you're not even six foot tall kind of i mean come on bro i mean i'm not trying to hate on taz but uh come on man we're all trying to sell this as a real fight we're trying to make it yeah uh, i agree I, it's I supposed agree. to look you know what i mean yeah, yeah. i mean yeah, but I I ended up giving it a C minus because I do respect Taz and Taz came to the WWF and I 
I, I, I don't know. I, Love I his know. commentary. There, I think he's one of the better. I think he's more un, more, more yeah, underrated commentator right. actually. I think he was really solid right. in that role. Kind of kind of. I mean, he, right. he was kind of the voice of SmackDown for a lot of years. And uh, but to yeah, be honest, I, I think his commentary work is ten times better than his in ring wrestling ever was, and that's my honest opinion. Yeah, and there's something about the, the bit. There's something about not selling like that that show. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to talk about it too much, but if you don't sell like that, there's there's something about that. If that's the way you want to have your match, you don't really get it. I don't know. Like Brock Lesnar gets it. He sells. I mean, now I don't. Yeah. I don't. Well, he sells whenever he wants to. Whenever you're he right, believes yeah. in the story. You're right. You're right. You're right. But, you're right. You're right. Um. But, but yeah, man. Like, you know what? We are, has, we are at the sweet no spot way to, in the show, though. We are at the sweet spot here. Are you ready? We are at the sweet spot. We are. Two main events now. All we got is just the main events here. And I got to say that up until this point, I'm swinging about two whole stars for the ECW show is ahead at this point. Um, Now, the main event can always make or break a show. Uh, So here we are. I feel like it's probably wise of us because I just know us both very well. Let's start with the ECW show. Let's start with the main event of the ECW show. So I'm going to go ahead and take it away. I'm gonna go ahead and and uh, and lead like a a good shepherd does here. Uh, yeah. So the the the, uh, the main event on the ECW show, just sticking with the same vibe, is Bubba Ray and Devon and Big Dick Dudley versus Spike, Tommy Dreamer, and the Sandman. Um, and there was some, uh, you know, okay. First of all, it was a solid, solid ten minutes of Dudley's entrance and just promo. Like a solid ten minutes of just promo and like I mean I'm exaggerating slightly but it was easily easily five it was, minutes it was yes it was bad easily a so, easily solid five minutes um I mean I could have gone boring. I could have gone taking a piss and come back and they would he would have still been yeah. talking it, it uh, got boring it did and then you know the entrance from Dreamer and Sandman and Spike was another solid five minutes now granted the crowd was super hyping into that. And Sandman is pretty much an entrance. Like that's what he is. I mean, he's terrible in the ring. You know, one of the top ten worst ever. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, there was some. I mean, but but again, some like again. So so the crowd was really into that that Sandman entrance, and the crowd was pretty into some of the promo, like from from the Dudleys. It was pretty like comedic, trashy, old school promo. So even though they were long, there were some good qualities to both of them. Um, but yeah, man. The, the crowd ate it all up. It was, tra- I mean, like now, like watching it 20 years later and diagramming it and being and critiquing it and picking it apart. We could, I know we both would be like, oh, it was just so long. But dude, the crowd ate all of this up. I mean, they were super into it. And the open between uh, Devon and Dreamer was pretty solid. Um, some obvious power spots with Spike and Bubba. Uh, it was a much slower paced match than I expected. It was, it was uh, like. Uh, it, it was almost like they were trying to work a main event style, but okay. So I felt like the, we always say like, you know, these guys can work, slow it down, give some air, make it breathe. And they did it, but it didn't, I don't know. With like a six man, it's like that that's counterproductive. So it's all, it's almost like it slowed down because they were wanting to work a main event pace, but it hurt the match because it was too slow. Like it felt like it dragged, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. especially when they got into the crowd and around like the outside of the ring, it kind of became like, you know, just a throwaway brawl. Uh, you know, then Spike Dudley off the ladder was pretty cool. Uh, so was the Centon on the ladder by Sandman. And I'm pretty sure that was pre TLC. Like I'm pretty sure Sandman did a, like that Centon and that was 98. So I'm pretty sure yeah. that's before the TLC. 
And he was doing the senton on a ladder, and I was Probably like, was that, that, that kind of that kind of popped me. And I was like, wow, maybe he did invent something in his terrible form. Um, but it was pretty funny how the ref got involved in that like four corners drop kick when everybody like set up the corners and they all were like in the tree of woe. All the heels were in the tree of woe, uh, and they ended up setting up like the heel like referee, and then like the main referee just got into it, and they all did the sliding drop kick at the same time. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there were some funny ha-has in there, lots of gimmick, lots of ECW main event style. Uh, Dreamer gets the win after a DDT on a ladder. And Jack Victory hits the ring, and it, it's just kind of chaos. New Jack kind of gets his entrance thing in, and everybody pops. Uh, New Jack was super over. And the whole thing was entertaining, but it wasn't good wrestling. Like, I was entertained by it, but it was not good wrestling. So I gave it two stars because it was entertaining, but it wasn't good wrestling. So, yeah, C minus, um, C minus, D plus, somewhere around in there. What did you think about this six-man tag of, uh, you know, the Dudleyville boys versus Spike, Dreamer, and Sandman? I'll agree with you on a little part of that, but where I'll disagree is that it it wasn't entertaining. It was not entertaining to me. Maybe I'm not a a big enough ECW fan. Uh, I love a lot of the guys that were there, but, man, this match was long, boring, dumb, hodgepodge. Didn't like it. Not a fan of it. Not a fan of anything that this match had to offer. I thought Sandman, first of all, looked looked like crap. He looked even – he looked better when he did the the one night only. He had just just a big old beer belly. Everybody was unbelievable. It was – it was bad, man. It was a brutal match. Brutal match. I, what was the finish? I think it was Bubba with a backdrop off the top ropes to the ladder. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I hate to no, say it, it but Dr- I'm It was Dreamer. Dreamer gave the DDT onto a ladder, yeah. Up the top on the on the Dreamer. Okay. Or Dreamer. Whatever. It was, um, it was just chaos. It was chaos. And I was not a fan of it. I uh, didn't enjoy it, and I'm gonna have to go and give it like uh, a D minus to an F. It was just Ooh, okay. maybe this isn't my thing. Hey, and I, I'll take that with a grain of salt because that's my opinion, and this is not my type of wrestling. Whatever they were doing there, I am not a fan of. This was not my thing. But I'm very excited to get over to uh, the World Wrestling Federation and talk about that. Um, yeah, let's just jump right into it, man. You, you know what? I know you're itching to do it. You've been talking about this. This is your favorite era, oh. and this is your favorite wrestler. So I'm going to yes. give you the honors of just taking this away. Uh, what did you think oh. about the main event on In Your House Mind Games, Mankind versus the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, for the WWF World Championship? Let's go, baby. This might be, come on, let's go. This might be a shock to you, all right? Shawn Michaels has an interview in the locker room before the match. One of the worst interviews I've ever heard in my whole entire life. Shawn Michaels literally says, because the the whole thing's called mind games. Shawn yeah. Michaels, the heartbreak kid says, he said mind games. Uh, so, no, he says, okay, so they're talking about mind games. Well, that won't work because... There's not a lot going on upstairs up here. So, haha. And then he starts realizing that he just said mind games won't work on him because he doesn't have a lot going on upstairs in his brain. And then Sean starts <laughs> stuttering and like literally killing the promo and like yeah. going back. It was like, 
I, they were doing it live, 100%. Obviously, yeah. you could tell. I mean, why else would you say that and not redo it? So he literally said, yeah, hey, mankind, mind games won't work because I don't have a lot going on in my brain. So you can't yeah. play mind games on me. It was like, yeah. what? Did this guy, I had to replay it twice. Like, what did he just say? But that doesn't take away from one of the greatest matches in history. Man, the pop that. Shawn Michaels got dude when he walked out. Even the even the smart marks were popping for Shawn. I was literally watch I was watching this saying, oh my god, 99 point. I've never seen a crowd of 99.9 percent of the people there, and it's not San Antonio. They all like Shawn Michaels. Like there was yeah. nobody. There was nobody trying to go for the bad guy. There's always those those smart marks going for the bad guy. Literally. There was grown men out there with heart sunglasses, red Shawn Michaels gloves, Shawn Michaels shirts, and signs saying HBK. Like there was, yeah, oh it, yeah. was it was grown unbelievable that the the amount of people that were for Shawn Michaels. And I'm not just saying that. You could go and watch it. I am not jaded. I'm not just saying that because yes, I do love Shawn Michaels and I've loved him all my life. And I've met him, and I cried, and I saw him at WrestleMania, and I cried, and he's my favorite thing ever. That doesn't matter. You can watch this. This is one of the few times you'll see somebody who was – We met him 100... together. We did meet him together at a Barnes & Noble, and I was very yeah. nervous. And I'm nervous even thinking about it. It was a <laughs> great day. I thought about that day all my life. But this is one of the few times I've ever seen somebody come out and being 100% over. I mean, it was, it was literally like the, the guy was so over. It was incredible. Yeah. This is Sean in his prime, dude. He looked so freaking good. I loved it. I liked the planned Sean getting frustrated spot. And I'll give a shout out to one of the greatest podcasts out there. Uh, Something to wrestle with with Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know, you know, you know, that, you know that podcast. Um, They talk about that, about uh, how Dave fell for the, the gimmick here. And uh, after watching it, it's funny. Like that really shows how dumb Dave is because yeah, they that's why they job. did it. They did yeah, it. Yeah, they did it to play Dave. But how? But the thing that get like, how could Dave? It's like Dave is better than that. I don't even like Dave, but it's like, so if you don't know what I'm talking about, Sean really did get frustrated with people in the ring, like, uh, like uh, Vader, Vader, and yelled, came off that thing. Don't yeah. move. Or, yeah. yeah, come on, don't move. Or, all that stuff. So. That's right. It was don't move. So in this one, they do a spot where Sean gets Irish whipped to the turnbuckle and he acts like he's going to do like the jump on the turnbuckle and uh, half back flip into a, 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 a crossbody into mankind. But mankind's out there. So Sean blows and Sean does like a, a, the best acting job ever where he really does look like he's mad. And for a second, you're like, like, I forgot about the Bruce Pritchard thing that I already knew about this and was yeah. like, Oh shoot, Sean's mad, and I got really excited. Like Sean's mad, and Sean comes up and kicks him really hard in the stomach, and yells, "Come on!" And then what gives it away, which is like I can't believe Dave Meltzer wrote about it as it was real, is mankind slaps Shawn Michaels in the face, and then does like a real wrestling takedown, and they kind of flip in the ring and start punching each other, which all of that was like totally wrestling. So like, yeah. If you're a fan, you see, uh, obviously, as a 30-year-old, even if I was in, as a kid back then, I probably yeah. would have been like, oh, my God, Sean's mad. But how did Dave Meltzer, as a man who follows wrestling, think that that was real? I don't – maybe it's because 
I'm jaded. I and thought I, they did a pretty good job with it. I did. I wrote that. I wrote that that they did great. But again, maybe I'm. I don't know. Like I, I wish I could watch this without hearing, without knowing. Like I've watched it a million times, but I can't remember what I thought about that spot. All I can remember is Bruce Pritchard, Bruce Pritchard telling the story about how it was planned. And then now when I watch it, it's totally planned. But they did do a great job. Like Sean's acting was like 100%. Like him yelling, come on. I was like, oh my God, Sean's about to just whoop this dude's ass. Man, but back to the match, dude. I don't know how you can not say just one of the greatest matches of all time. Some of the things that both Sean and Mick Foley were doing in this match, psychology wise, just they kept like taking long breaks where like they weren't wrestling. One would be like in North Dakota. The other would would be in like Florida. They'd be on two sides of the freaking map in this match, but everything meant something. You got Mick Foley slamming a pin in his leg, which I don't know why, like your leg's not asleep, homie. Sean's been breaking it. I don't know why that, but it just, it felt good. Like I liked it. I'm into it. I'm really into it. Um, it was long, but good. And this is one of those long matches where you don't realize how long it is because it's so good. You realize after how long it is when you sat there for 35 minutes and the match is over and you're like, oh my God, it's not one of these long, boring matches. They did it right. They did it. I love that. And another thing, they went to the outside of the ring this match a bunch of times, but they spent way more time inside of the ring. This was like a hardcore style match where they did things where they lifted up the they lifted up the mat and everything. Sean did some great like drop kick things, things you've never seen before. Anybody do Sean was doing. They but they always came back to the ring and it was always an in-ring match. Even the awesome table spot where it looked like uh it was gonna be a back suplex, Sean turned it in to turning in on Mick Foley. Back then, by the way, you gotta take that with realizing W especially WWF did not do table spots like that. That was like big. That yeah. was a special moment. You did not see that. I can't really tell you another table spot up to that point. If there yeah. was one, there was probably one or two. That was a very big deal. You didn't see stuff like that. Um and, and I thought that was great. And it's a very, it's a memorable moment in my life and in my history of loving professional wrestling. I'll always remember Sean turning into Mick Foley like that on that. But what's very disappointing is what happens after is that, and I, and I forget that this, this match ended in a disqualification and that's a big letdown in this match. Vader interferes. Paul hits Sean with the urn. The bell keeps ringing and ringing and ringing. Uh, Psycho Sid comes out to help Sean. Um, he fights off Vader. Uh, it's a DQ. Uh, Mankind puts Sean in the Mandible Claw. But I popped on this because I forgot about this part. I forgot Undertaker pops out of the, the casket. Huge pop from the crowd and me. The way Undertaker did it was so badass. I was loving every minute of it. And, man, I wish it wasn't a DQ. But if you're going to do a DQ in a main event, Shawn Michaels and Mick Foley knew how to do it, and they literally got an A++ for a DQ in the main event for the World Heavyweight title. I would never think I would give a match like this an A++ that ended in a DQ, but if you're going to do a DQ, that's how you do it. Will you end it with Undertaker popping out like that with everything they did? Man, I got to go A++. 
I will say I'm a little bit biased. This is uh, this is one of my favorite pay-per-views of all time. I have watched this before. Some of the other ones we've seen. This is a little disclaimer. Some of the other pay-per-views we've been kind of doing, I don't, I haven't watched in a long time, or I don't really know. I will or you've say, never watched. <laughs> or I've never watched. Most of them I've at least seen. If it's WWF, I've probably seen at least one match from it, from either a collection, or I've seen the whole thing, and it's just been a while. I will say this one, I know this one very well, and I know this main event very well, and I do think fondly, and I don't know anything about ECW or their stuff, so. Um, I probably am a little biased, but especially with this Shawn Mankind match getting an A++ and almost all of the other matches getting either a B or a C, and the ECW show only getting one B and a bunch of Cs, in my opinion, I'm going WWF, but I still need to hear what you think about Shawn Michaels' Mankind and your wrap-up for the whole thing. So, Daniel, I forget, what's your, what's your nickname now? What is it? Mr. Know-It-All Daniel himself. Tell me. Your thoughts. Yeah, you're the one that christened that nickname, my friend, and I will gladly take it away here. Uh, you know, again, too, I mean, just like kind of like you said, like I've seen this match a lot of times, uh, but it's a pleasure every time. Uh, just because it was such a smart match. Uh, I mean, they worked the casual fans. They worked the boys. Uh, they worked Meltzer. Um, totally show. And, like, what I wrote down, like, it was a huge point here, too, is that, like, they totally showed a different side of a babyface Sean run. Like, this was the first, like, real aggression from him as a babyface that you saw. Uh, and it was just such a good match, man. I mean, those work spots that we talked about in the corner were so innovative, too. Like, no one yeah. really pulled it off like that even before or since. Like, that's what I'm saying. Even when I go back and watch this now, it's like, damn, like, that's so good. Like, especially in that today's climate, like, somebody's got to do that. Like, that's, it's just too good. Like, that's it's just but so you gotta smart. be the greatest to do it it's you yeah you're right it. you're right you're right you're totally right but like i don't know man i feel like they could do it they could pull it off some aj could pull it off rollins could so. pull it off oh with yeah somebody uh but yeah man sean was just throwing taters the whole match buddy i mean just the whole the whole yeah. time throwing taters um uh, when he does finally get cut off by foley he's sold like a beast uh, you know obviously one of the best sellers of all time Shawn michaels um, dude, honestly, this is possibly one of the most underrated matches of all time. I mean, really, 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 really good wrestling match. Probably, uh, as far as an actual wrestling match, probably the best Foley match I've ever seen. Um, I loved every single second of the match and McMahon was great too. McMahon was perfect McMahon form. You know what I mean? Like all, all of his cliche lines. Oh, what a maneuver. Oh, he's got one, two. No, he doesn't. He's you know, got like, like, He's got He's got Oh, no, he doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the worst. It's the worst, but it's the best. Like, uh, it was it, it was great. I, I felt all the nostalgia. I loved the aggression from both of them. It was just such a hard-hitting match for a time when New Generation was a little bit more fluffy and, like, uh, not not as heavy-hitting. Like, it, this, but this match was just so good. And I do have to say, I would have given this match a five-star rating if it had a clean finish and then you had the interference. Yeah. Like give give me a give me a one, two, three, and then have Vader hit the ring and just destroy Sean and then do the exact same thing. Everything you just did with Sid, with the Undertaker, whatever. But give me Sean pinning you know, hook in the leg, one, two, three, 
and then, you know, I mean, I understand, like, keeping Mankind strong, but if you still book it the exact same way, like, just having Vader hit the ring right at the three and then, you know, cutting Sean off, no celebration, you really wouldn't have lost that much heat. But the psychology would have been there. So I gave this match four and three-quarter stars. I'd give it, like, th- like 4.999 stars. Like, so close, dude. Just give me the three count. Just give me the three count. Because everything else they did after the finish, after the DQ, was great, too. I, I agree. I loved I loved all, all the, the run-ins, the, the hype. The crowd was super hot for it. Vader, Psycho Sid, Undertaker, Foley, um, Paul Bearer. Mankind, that's that's who the people were all in one ring, by the way. All of those people were in one ring at one time. Those are all Hall of Famers. All of them. Like, dude, so much. Like, so much. Like, all of it was so good. But, yeah, just give me that three count, man, and this would have been a perfect match. Um, But, yeah, honestly, honestly, I I enjoyed the ECW show. I I really did. I I was so glad we we chose it, and I think, like, the overall. It was good. The ranking of this being the best ECW pay-per-view, I will agree yeah. with that. It was a good pay-per-view. Uh, but just because of this match and it being such an iconic match, I have to say this kayfabe comparison winner by unanimous decision is WWF In Your House Mind Games. Am I right, Cass? Am I right? Notwithstanding. I think I want to start with- adding that in. I think I want to start adding that in. Notwithstanding. Because he just says it when it doesn't even make sense. So, yes, not notwithstanding, this is the best. Notwithstanding. I will say, it is this match. It is, man, but, dude, uh, whoa, I hit my mic. Undertaker, Goldust. I think all around, this card was smooth, good. It was, it was polished and i know that's not really fair to compare ecw with the polishness but this this whole card was it was pretty polished this pay-per-view was a good solid pay-per-view especially for wwf in 1996 they're not doing that well but man this was a great show like this this is up there with some one of the greatest shows out there i think this is one of the greatest pay-per-views um, in the 90s, I really do. This is this is fantastic. I mean, yeah, there's you know the uh, stampede or whatever, the Canadian stampede. That's I hope we cover that one. Have we already covered? No, we haven't. No, we stampede. haven't. We have not we covered stampede, stampede yet. We, we will. Not, we will. That's you know that's obviously up there. There's there's some other ones up there, but I put this one up there with it. Yeah, but ECW, like you said, great, especially compared to ECW. Like, I've seen some bad ECW stuff. We've done a little bit of ECW. Like I've said before, I do know a little bit because I love the documentary Rise and Fall of ECW. So I do know that. And I, I, I know a little bit about it. And I know a little bit about wrestling. So compared to ECW, yeah, great show, man. I hate to, to crap on it that much, but it ain't no, going to be. No, it was be... a close call. It was a close call. But it, it was, was I mean, close. still. Even for me. Still, I mean, with such close. a historic main event, it's got its unanimous gotta decision. Go. Gotta go. So, so I mean. tell us. So, so WWF wins within your house, mind games. What do we have coming up for this fantastic podcast that everybody's going to like, subscribe, tweet, tell everybody, leave a comment and tell your mother and your friend and your wife and your everybody, tell them all about it. What do you got coming up next for them, Daniel? Yeah, man. Okay. So next week, uh, you know, today, uh, obviously thank you guys for joining us on your, on this fine Thursday uh, we had a really great time covering these shows, but yeah, next week coming at you, we're gonna doing our uh, a deep penetration nostalgia oh. show, mm, deep that's... penetration. Oh, uh, and we're gonna go way, way back. It's 
and we're going to be rounding out the entire SummerSlam season. Uh, we're going to be doing 1988 WWF SummerSlam versus 1993 WWF SummerSlam. So just like we brought you TakeOver and SummerSlam is a uh, head-to-head nostalgia or a head-to-head current product show. We're going to be doing a head-to-head another nostalgia show, but we're just doing deep cuts WWF versus WWF. Uh, just mm. rounding out the SummerSlam season. Then on September 5th, the following week, we're going to be covering AEW's All Out. Now, AEW's All Out is on August 31st. Cass and I will be at Cass's castle. And we Cass. will be watching. Yes. We will be watching uh, All Out Live. And I can promise you this. We will be streaming our live reactions during the Chris Jericho versus Adam Page for the first ever AEW world title. We will be streaming Uh that live on our Instagram page. So be sure to follow us at K-A-Y-F-A-B-E-C-O-M. That is in two weeks from today, boys and girls. Well, two weeks, uh, well, it's on August 31st. I'm sorry, it's on August 31st. Whatever, whatever. That show, the show, covering that show will be two weeks from today. We'll, We'll have our notes on that one. And then our next pop culture episode you guys really love the nintendo versus xbox episode we're going to keep that going every month for you guys uh so september 12th we're going to be covering a new hope uh star wars versus the first back to the future and we're going to be continuing that for the next three months so next the you know the following month will be you know empire and back to the future 2 cast already covered this on the last episode we're going to keep it rolling through that and then rounding out september uh, for a full month ahead, we're going to be doing uh, WWE Clash of the Champions 2019, their next pay-per-view, versus Clash of the Champions 28 from 1994. So we're going to be doing a deep throwback on that one, a 25-year uh, like that. one. That'll be a good, yeah, that'll be a good way to kind of get into the WCW days too, and uh, and especially on one of the lighter WWE pay-per-views, man. But yeah, I love doing this show with you, man. We are, we're having a great time here. This one was a little yeah. bit more friendly than our last one. Uh, but we, yeah. I, I, I loved watching these shows, and I am super, super, super hyped for our deep penetration. Mm, don't get me excited next week, baby. Don't get me excited like that. Um, Hogan, I can't. Hogan is gonna make his debut on our hey, show. Hey, oh, that's awesome, baby. What you gonna do? I can't. I don't think I've. I, man, I feel like I always say it, but like Jesus Christ, I'm so excited for the next show that I'm so excited for the for the AEW thing because we're gonna get I the love new, doing this show. we're gonna get the new AEW champion like how is this not exciting I love how you guys you for listening I love you guys with for us. watch dude, it with us so much fun man watch it thank with you us. guys for being a part of this journey dude we're still so hyped we will see you guys next week. let's I'm get out of here we love you we're out peace